Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, we're going to get into our uh, message this morning. Uh, and we're looking at the second part of our Heart for the House focus. Um, if you're visiting church today for the first time, uh, or in a while, like Tim and Jess Nix, you picked a great Sunday to come to. Uh, this is the second week of our Heart for the House focus, as I've already mentioned. Uh, and our Heart for the House is something that we do on an annual basis, uh, whereby we spend some time talking about what we do as a church. Uh, and then at the end of it, next week, we're going to be taking up a special offering over and above our regular giving to finance what we do at a church level, at a community level and a kingdom level. Uh, We're not here to manipulate you. We're not here to twist your arm. We're not here to turn you upside down and shake you till the money falls out of your pockets. Uh, We're not into that. But I do believe in strong vision. I do believe in letting people know where we are heading as a church and what we have done. And we're unapologetic about that. Uh, I do believe with all my heart that God responds to seed. If you want to have a harvest in your life, you better put seed in the ground. It's the lazy farmer that doesn't put seed in the ground that produces no harvest. But the farmer that gets up early in the morning and then goes and lays the seed and then waters the seed and nurtures the seed and talks to the seed and does the work again and talks to the seed and waters the seed and talks to the seed and waters the seed, he will produce a harvest. You can't expect a harvest if there's no seed in the ground. Here's the cool thing for all of those that are new to this church. For the last 20 years, Victory Church has been putting seed in the ground. And I believe if you'll commit to what Victory Church is doing, you will be the beneficiaries of the harvest that has come and is coming our way because you can't do what we've done for 20 years and expect no harvest. A lot of hard work, a lot of seed in the ground. There are people in our community, maybe some of those are your family members, maybe some of those are your friends, but I tell you what, they are coming to this place. They may not know it yet. You may not even believe it yet, but I want you to know that there is a harvest coming our way. We did not go through all the trouble to put this building up and through all the prayer meetings that we've been to and all the uh, energy that we've put into this place to expect zero in return. I believe, God responds to seed. And that's why I believe we are in for an incredible harvest over the next 20 years and beyond. Can I have an amen out there? Awesome. Oh my gosh, I wish you were as excited about this as I am. Because I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. I am. I don't know what you did last night, but uh, you need to shake yourselves. You need to wake yourselves. You need to just get a hold of yourself. Grab the person next to you and give them a bit of a shake. Come on. (laughs) Fantastic. Having said all that, we have three major focuses in this church through which we want to fulfil our one mission. Our mission is simply this, to connect people to God, to His church and to their purpose. If we can see thousands and thousands of people connected to God, to His church and their purpose. And I go to be with Jesus at the ripe old age of 153. I will be a happy man. The reason I say 153, I, I don't know actually. I just said 153. But uh, that's why I'm probably eating the right food now because I'm going to be around for a while. That's at least what I'm planning anyway. But I do believe that God wants this church to be involved in people's lives. You know, we've had some incredible worship experiences. We've had some incredible uh, times around the Word of God. But I do not believe that's primarily why God has left us here on planet Earth. If it was just about us having a worship experience, I think we could have a better worship experience in heaven. If it's about hearing the Word and the depth of the Word of God, um, I think we could do that better in heaven. If it's about feeling the tangible manifest presence of God Himself, I think we get that better in heaven. I'm in for all of that. But I believe God has left us here with the primary purpose of reaching people for Him. And I do not apologise for that. And if my preaching is so dumbed down because we are trying to reach and connect with people, remember that's what Jesus did. 
Jesus said many things like the kingdom of God is like a pearl. Now, here's a, here's a bit of information for you. The kingdom of God is not like a pearl. If you're expecting the kingdom of heaven to be like a pearl, you're going to be sadly disappointed when you get to heaven. Jesus dumbs down the revelation of heaven so that we dummies can understand it. That's what He does. Because He wants to reach people. And the way He's reaching people is connecting with them at their level. He didn't come to say how profound He was. He came to help people. We're not here as a church to say how profound we are. That's not why we're here. We're not here to blow you away with the incredible, profound nature of the things of God. So much so that you can't even connect with it nor understand it. That's not what this is about. There are things in the Word of God that I struggle to understand. And if we are honest with ourselves, there are things in the Bible we struggle to understand. Even Peter, who wrote some of the New Testament, says there are things Paul talks about that I struggle to understand. So primarily, we as a church exist to connect people to God, to His church, and to their purpose. Seeing people in our church come into their purpose and fulfilment really excites me. When I think about Steve being on the news, young man who came from America to uh, Sydney and then from Sydney to Adelaide, and find a purpose. When too, not too long ago, he was just laying bricks in America. And here he is coming into something that God has for him. And he didn't even know what that was. We exist for people we haven't met. For a time we don't know. To bring them into purpose, we don't even know exists yet. But it's all there. And it's in the ground. And it's just brewing away. Which is really exciting. Think about when you plant seed. You water it and nothing happens, but lots is happening. You just can't see it. Right now, there are lots of things happening. We just can't see it. But it's happening. Come on. Maybe it's just me with the whole seed thing because my daughter, who's eight years of age, BJ, is right into the from patch to plate. And so for her eighth birthday, which is in a couple of weeks, we're getting her an outside veggie garden. Just talk amongst yourself while I cough. There we go. And as we put these seeds in the ground, all these little vegetables are going to eventually pop up. But I can almost see, I can almost see her face getting despondent. And she's waiting and nothing's happening. And she's waiting and nothing's happening. And she's waiting and nothing's happening. Can you imagine in the wait, if you start just digging the soil and looking at this, Ah. Ah. That's what we do with the promises of God. We're forever digging up. Oh, nothing's happened yet. So we'll just leave it alone. I feel prophetically God saying, leave the seed alone. I feel God saying, leave the seed to me. Oh God. I thought you loved me. You said I'd be the head, not the tail, but this is just seed. And we're interrupting the germinating and growth process. You know what I've learned about God? God does His best work while we're sleeping. Remember when Adam was in the garden and everything was great? There was food on the trees. There was birds and bees and there was animals. And, and uh, Adam had his own lion as a pet. It was really cool because there's something missing. There's something not good. And so God says to Adam, Adam, take a sleep. He knocks him out. How are you doing? You good? He knocks him out. And while he was sleeping, ever say while he was sleeping? Someone tell me a bedtime story. It was a dark and stormy night. 
while Adam was sleeping, God did some of his best work. Because in the morning, Adam woke up and, oh my God, who is that? And for the first time ever, God spoke of his creation in terms of being good. But when he created woman, he said, it's very good. God does some of his best work while we are sleeping. Because when we're sleeping, we're not messing up his plan. We're not digging up the seed. Ah. So you think the great day to be in church. If you're not a Christian, you think the great day to be in church. If you just came today because a girl you liked invited you, you picked a great day to come for that girl. I don't care why you're here today, you are not here by accident. You are here to hear a message of hope, love, peace and joy and a message that says God loves you. You walked into a church that exists for you. You walked into a church where faithful volunteers built an auditorium that was bigger than we presently were able to house because we knew you were coming. So you picked a great day to be here because we knew you were coming. We just didn't know when. We just didn't know what you'd look like. We didn't know your name, but we're going to find out in the welcome lounge straight after the service, which would be great. But we exist as a church to connect people to God, to His church and to their purpose. And we do that with three major focuses. And one is the church. And we talked about that last week. And if you missed that, I would say get onto the iTunes account or get onto our website and uh, listen to that message. We had a number of people join us up on stage here and they just shared about their respective ministries. And it was just an incredible time of highlighting and showcasing what we as a church have been able to do through the incredible power of God and the willingness of volunteers. Today we want to look at the community and the kingdom focuses within this church. And before I call the team up, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I was going to go for a glass of water, but that's not going to help me, is it? Are you okay playing still there? Is that all you got? (laughs) Yeah, can you play cake, Sam? (laughs) The young ones are going, what's cake, Sam? You'll hear all about it when you're in heaven. It's all right. It's okay. All right. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, Jesus went... For all the towns and villages, community, teaching in their synagogues, church, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, get this, when he saw the crowds, he rebuked them. He said, call yourself a Christian. Says your hair's too long. Stop smoking. You're drinking too much coffee. Now Jesus didn't come to do any of that. Jesus has had compassion. And people were getting into some pretty perverse stuff back then. Can we just take the rose-coloured glasses off or the black and white glasses off? And, 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 And just... Get rid of this notion that this world is a much evil place today. There were perverse stuff happening back there. And Jesus didn't judge them. He had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless. You don't do drugs just for the fun of it. It may start like that. But everything that we see in society is a devolution, not an evolution. It's a devolution 
of people that are harassed and helpless. Do you think if we were full of life and passion and joy and fun, we would need to do alcohol and drug? No. There's a reason behind all that goes on. And Jesus was able to see deep into the hearts and souls of men and women and not judge them based upon their actions, but get into the heart of the matter. Because the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. He says they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is Jesus speaking to a farming community, being contextually relevant. Heaven is not full of sheep and shepherds. He's using language to connect with the people. He's dumbing down revelation so that we get it. I don't talk a lot about sheep and shepherds because I don't know any shepherds and I hate sheep. (laughs) But he was using stories to connect with people, dumbing down incredible truth so that we could get it. They were like sheep without shepherds. At no stage do we ever see Jesus explaining what the red horse in Revelation actually meant. Nor the black one, nor the pale one. He just said, these guys are like sheep without a shepherd. And if that's too deep for you, I think Jesus is saying then, you're going to be no good to me. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Three things before I get the team up. Three things about community and kingdom that we need to know. The first one is this. Community and kingdom needs to be an extension of the church. Not only did we see Jesus going into the villages and the towns, but we also know, according to Scripture, that going to church was His custom. Jesus would go to the synagogue on the Saturday as was His custom. He didn't do all this other stuff for God at the expense of going to God's house. He didn't go into the communities and the highways and the byways without first feeding Himself. You can't feed others unless you first feed yourself. I don't know if you've ever been on an aeroplane, but when they have you sitting there, they go through a few drills. And they said, in case of emergency, oxygen will fall down. And if you have a young child, they don't say put the gas on the young child first. They said, no, look after yourself first because a healthy you is helpful to us. And that can be difficult. When you're seeing your young child panicking, freaking out, and you're saying, hang on, hang on, mate. Now I'm ready to help. But that's essentially what Jesus did. These helpless and harassed people, he said, okay, be with you guys in a moment. I I just need to get full. I just need to hear the Word of God. I just need to be around God's people. I just need to honour the Scripture. So what we do at a community and a kingdom level must never be at the expense of local church. And that's why we spent all last week talking about the local church because it's the local church that's the foundation for all that we do into our community and beyond into the kingdom. Does that make sense? And so community and kingdom needs to be an extension of the local church. A church that doesn't embrace community and kingdom isn't really being the church. But ventures that go into the community and kingdom and ignore the church is not really fulfilling God's will. See, this is a both and with God. When Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4 in the desert, He said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. In other words, is it worship or is it service? Jesus is saying it's both, but it's worship first. Worship and then serve. If you serve, then worship, you'll burn out. So it's worship first and then serve. It's church first and out of church comes community and out of community comes kingdom. Yeah. It's all of it, but we've got to get the right order. Yeah. Is this making sense? Yeah. Through the church, we are able to impact our community and advance the kingdom. Who wants to impact our community yeah. and advance the kingdom? Yeah. Stand through the local church. Number two, community and kingdom need a focused attention. In other words, there's lots of great causes out there. We just can't be involved in all of them. Yeah. 
If we're involved in all of them, it will dilute our impact, the very impact we're trying to have in our community, it will dilute it down. Have you ever tried to wash your car and there's no nozzle on the hose and you've got the car all soaked up? I saw a guy doing that this morning with his midnight blue E.H. Holden with splats on. It was kind of cool. took me back to my childhood. And I was watching him do it. I don't know if you've ever watched, try to get rid of all the soap suds with just this pressure that comes out of the hose. It's, like, it's just limp. It's like a lot of Christians I know. Just, just, it's like, it takes forever. Like, come on. But you get a nozzle and you make the nozzle really small and the pressure increases. The focus gets more and more intense and it becomes more impactful, more powerful. There's lots of great causes. We can't be involved in all of them. But as we narrow our focus down, we become more and more powerful. And so I know there's lots of things going on around the world. And I reckon half of my emails during the week is, can we support this? Can we support that? Can we support this? And it breaks my heart because I have to say no, not because I don't care, but because it's not our focus. If we gave a couple of dollars here to everything, we would have no impact whatsoever. But in saying no to other things, we're saying yes to a concentrated effort. You say, that doesn't seem very godly. I'm glad you think that because that's why the scriptures are written to challenge our conventional ways. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, addressing this very issue, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's referring to an Old Testament account. He says, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. There was lots of widows starving and Elijah, the man of God, was not sent to any of them. But to a widow in Zarephath, which was not in Israel, which was not God's chosen people. Doesn't make sense. And what Jesus is saying is, you've got to find your God assignment and stick to it. And so Elijah must have walked, I can imagine Elijah walking through Israel and thinking, oh my gosh, widow, 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 widow. And God's sending me over here. Focus. Focus. He could have witnessed and helped 10 other widows and been out of the will of God. He says, and there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time Elisha the prophet yet was not sent to one of them but only to Nahum. There was lots of people suffering leprosy and God says, no, forget him, forget him, forget him, forget him. This guy. This is the God we serve. And so there's lots of great causes. Causes that break your heart and mine. But we have to be true to what God has called us as a church to do. And so I would appreciate it, even if your heart bleeds for certain things. This has to be a safe place. And I don't want us getting detracted with all the other causes that are out there. And I would appreciate if we would come to church and not ask for money for this thing, this thing. This, this has to be a safe place. And if there's going to be any financial giving, it's to the kingdom purpose that God has given us as a local church. Because I want to be able to protect people from everybody and anybody coming up to them and say, hey, look, I'm doing this thing and I'm doing that thing. And just bleeding us dry. We are very intentional about when we give, where we give, and why we give. Number three, before our team come, community and kingdom need to be activated, not just acknowledged. We can all sit there and say, that's true. And I'm not interested in that's true. I'm interested in us activating the community and kingdom focus in our lives. See, acknowledging is one thing, but activating is another thing altogether. It's not enough to agree that there are hurting people in our community. It's not enough to agree with the fact that we need to be kingdom-minded. 
Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, God wants workers, not shirkers. That's what He wants. He doesn't want people meeting in church every week, acknowledging, amen, that's great. Yep, there's a lot of hurting people out there. He says, I know. I want to know what you're going to do about it. I want to know who you're going to come alongside and help. And in just a little while, we're going to have a team of men and women come up here that you can come alongside and help. People are doing great things in our community, which is really, really exciting. And so on that note, would you please be upstanding and put your hands together for our team who are going to come up and join us and I'll introduce them to you as they make their way up here. Fantastic. Please take your seats. These are just some of the men and women involved in some of the areas that are impacting at a community and kingdom level. We haven't been able to get them all up here, but who would like to hear from some of them this morning? So I'm just going to introduce you very quickly. This is Rod Mangos. And he oversees our outreach at the Soulsby train station. Hear more from him in a moment. Then we have Breno Hayward. Oversees all things Red Frogs. If you don't know what Red Frogs is, he'll explain that in a moment. Mick Roberts. He'll be talking about the phenomenal work we're doing for our cafe. Then we have to his left, uh, Graham Madron. He'll be talking about the good work of things that are happening in Kidgo. Then we have this beautiful young lady, Sky Blackmore. Doing great things with our play group. And then we have Jean Bates. And she'll be talking about things at a kingdom perspective with what we're doing in the Kalawasi. And then my wife, Kath, who you've already met. So I'm just going to join you guys, if that's okay. And again, we've kind of gone for the lounge room setting because church is a family. And so we've tried to create that environment and vibe here this morning. Um, and so what I'm going to do this morning is just uh, get them to tell us a little bit about what they do, um, what that looks like, and a story or two to inspire you of some of the work that's taking place. How does that sound? So let me throw to this man in the red shirt, uh, Rod Mangos. We'll just need to share some microphones. Don't hog the mic there, Mick. <laughs> I know you're eager to talk but uh, just hold your horses. Do we have any other microphones? He's got two microphones. Can we get another microphone? Just, oh, they got one there. That's cool. uh, here, here you go, Mick. There you go, Mick. Oh, there we go. Cool. Just hold your microphone. There you go. Feel better now? Fantastic, thanks. Cool. Very secure oh. now. <laughs> Excellent. Rod, why don't you tell us about what you do and where and why and how? All right, great. Um, so we go down to Salisbury train station um, every Friday night during a school term. And, um, <laughs> We basically just do sausages, uh, we do cordial, and we do hot drinks. And, and what it really is, it's a vehicle to start a conversation and to meet people. And so it's, it's not actually about the sausages, although we do great sausages. And, um, and so basically we, 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 just, we just go with God's love. We, our, our number one agenda from the time we started has been to share God's love. And that can look like a lot of things. Um, when you're out there, it can just mean, you know, feeding someone a sausage and saying hello and, and goodbye and they're on the train. It can mean taking people home. We take people home almost every fortnight. Um, it, it can mean finding a lost wallet. Um, and it can mean praying for people. Um, and, and three times so far, um, last Friday night being the third one, it, it's mean actually walking someone through the sinner's prayer and leading them to Jesus, which is, which is just such a pleasure. And um, the, the whole, the end point of that um, is to basically see people grafted into church and, and coming in where they can grow in a family. And, and one lady um, that we met about uh, a year ago, um, Tammy, she's, she's wonderful, I think she's over there somewhere. Um, we met her and she'd been a Christian since she was 16, but for whatever reason had found herself out of church. Um, and when she met us, she said she just felt comfortable and and just God was doing things, so it all fell into place that she knew, yep, I've got to come back to church. And that was backed up that when she walked in here, she felt welcomed, she felt comfortable. And now, thanks to basically 
the, the family that we've got here, she's been able to grow, and now her kids are growing. They're involved in ministry, which is, which is what, what we're all about. Um, the, the other thing that our ministry is like, it's a bit like a lighthouse. And um, there's a verse in Colossians that says that Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. And, and when we're out there, we really feel like a light. And um, so people are just attracted to that. And, and a lot of the ministry that we're doing is just sowing seed. We don't see a lot of the fruit. We might meet someone, have an interaction with them, pray for them, and they're gone. Um, and, and we don't see what happens. But we know that we're sowing a seed, and so we just trust in that. And, and we are seeing some, some great things happen. Um, we see a range of people, um, some people who are really well off and, and, and really happy, and other people who are not so well off. We see... Um, people with mental illness, um, we see people with, um, you know, just bound by alcohol and all sorts of things. And and one guy that we met, um, uh, uh, probably going back about three or four months now, when we met him, he was so bound up and so overwhelmed by, by pain and by alcohol that he could barely, you know, could barely talk properly. And, and he just kept coming back. He just kept coming back, to, you know, every fortnight. Something was drawing him back. And um, about two fortnights ago... He walked up to one of our guys who had, he'd, um, you know, had been texting and, and brought up a relationship and just says, Jesus loves me. And, and so we're praying for him at the same time. And five minutes later, he walks up and he goes, this guy just gave his life to Jesus. And, um, but, but it is very raw, you know, it, it's very raw. It's, it's the, this guy at the time, he'd had a lot to drink and, and you know, but he still understood what he was doing. Um, and, and every time we do it, we, we uh, make sure people understand what, what they're doing and, and understand the weight of it. And so we were able to pray for him and walk him through that. And while we might not see um, people here as a result of that, it's still, it's still great to see what God's doing. But the last thing I wanted to share was just that, that um, people are ready. And I was talking to a lady um, on, on Friday night, and she looked like she had it all together. You know, she's a wonderful woman, beautiful woman, just really personable, um, got through a lot of issues in her life. And um, I was just sharing the, the gospel to her and what it actually means to surrender your life to Jesus and, and just the weight of that. And that when, when you give your life to Jesus, your life's not your own anymore. And, and I thought that, you know, this, she would shy away from that. And she just said, oh, look, I, I don't actually want my life anymore. <laughs> I've, you know, for, for this long, I've just, I just... It hasn't been working, you know, and, and she'd actually had the discipline to walk herself out of drugs and out of a severe addiction, like a 12-year addiction, and even with someone like that, she was still saying, I don't need my life anymore, I don't actually want it anymore, you know, and so I just want to leave that with you, that, that people are ready, you know, there's, while it might look good on the surface, people are ready to meet Jesus, and, and that's what we're all here for. Oh. I appreciate that, Rod. And what I want to say about the particular ministry that Rod and his team are involved in, there are different ministries here and, and, and they have different purposes. Um, I don't know if any of you are aware of the Ingle Scale, and that is a scale uh, of people's journey who are far from God to those that are ready to give their life to Christ. And it starts at negative 10. Those are far from God, disinterested, atheists, hate God, problems with everyone and everything when it comes to the church. And then the zero is ready for conversion. And what we have here is a range of ministries that help move people along that Ingle scale. And the people that Rodney are dealing with are very much at minus 10. And uh, to, you know, a good night for them may move them from minus 10 to minus 8. They've received love, they've received care, they've received some food, and so they are ready and further for the next encounter. And we've got to understand that's the nature of harvest, that's the nature of seed. There are other ministries that are a little bit, they start further down the track and they are ready to uh, respond in a different way. And so again, I want to thank you. You're very much on the front line. I want to thank you for what you're doing. Appreciate that, Rod. Breno, uh, you're doing something similar, but with a different age bracket and a different uh, type of people. So why don't you explain that? That'd be great. Cheers. Um, so I, um, with young adults, we look after a ministry called Red Frogs, which is basically um, just uni outreach. And that involves us going out sometimes two, three nights a week. Um, over a period, mainly O-Week, just supporting uni students that are, uh, you know, moved away from 
family interstate and are living in a college in a different state where they don't know anyone and we're just able to go in there and show support for them where they um the uni culture you know is very harsh on having to drink you know the average thing is when you're a new uni student you have to drink half your age in alcohol in your first week every night so if you're 18 you got to drink you know Nine, thanks. Yeah, nine. <laughs> I didn't go to uni, so no. nine liters of alcohol a night. So that generally results in people, you know, passing out, you know, throwing up, just not be, doing stupid things. So with you know a group of guys from here, we go out and we just support these guys and. An incident that happened earlier on in the year where um, a guy had come over from Malaysia and he was involved in some gangs there and it just went south here and over a five night period um, a couple of our guys just got around a group of guys they played basketball with them and just hung out and then when it went south our guys were able to set in step in and you know calm it all down. And that really spoke to the principal of the college. They now, when, you know, there's a party going on, I get a phone call going, hey, Breno, um, we're having a party. How can we control the limit of alcohol? How can we control um, how it pans out? So, you know, that's really, you know, local colleges ringing me. I'm a part of Victory Church going, hey, Breno, how can Victory Church help influence these guys? So... Um, you know, that's what we're doing in the... So, you know, just, yeah, it, it comes from a group of our guys just being faithful and taking ownership of that, you know, these are lawyers, doctors, nurses, anything that takes a uni degree, that's who we're supporting. So, you know, when you see, you know, photos go up of... Americ DJing in HQ that's you know he's been able to control the environment because what happens is he can choose music that doesn't go you know people dancing a certain way he can go you know what I'm going to go this way and I can control an environment so that's what we're doing in you know the community. So. Isn't great? I, I love it and I'm really proud of what the guys are doing it's phenomenal if you just think for a moment if you were asked to drink nine litres of water a night for a week, that's problematic. That's not even healthy. Add alcohol to that, it just gets crazy bad. So thanks for what you guys are doing. Really do appreciate that. Moving from Breno to Mick, uh, obviously uh, you're involved in a number of different things in the life of the church, but uh, Cafe has been a more of a, a new venture in the last six months or so, helping out there. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, yeah, I really like, I guess, uh, I find it therapeutic to make coffee. I love making coffee because I love the, the um, I guess, the smile it brings to people's faces when they sip on that latte or that cappuccino. They go, mmm, this tastes good. So I guess I've made it my personal vendetta to go, you know what, if we've got this playground, which we have, this indoor playground, most indoor playgrounds you go to, um, you don't have the best coffee. And so I just thought, you know what, Origin's going to be known for this indoor playground. It's got a great playground, but it sells awesome coffee. And it has great muffins. You should see some of the muffins that Deb is churning out at the moment. There's like salted caramel, there's banana and caramel choc chip. And there's, I don't know, all these other things she's experimenting with. And, uh, but it's just great. We serve, we serve great food and we have great coffee. But um, I think, um, yeah, you want to be known for that. But I want to also be known for the warmth and the friendliness of the place. And um, even just yesterday, people made comment of that. I just went to a table and it's just simple things like, so how's everything going here? You ask that simple question, they go, it's great. And um, we love coming here. We love coming here because it's so warm and friendly, and that is refreshing. And really, it's not that hard to be able to provide something of good quality, uh, warmth and friendliness by just asking how people are going. And I um, tell our volunteers, because it is run by mainly volunteers on a Saturday and throughout the week, that I want you to keep this in mind, that when you're serving coffee and when you're going around and sweeping the tables and things like that, doing all those jobs that we're asked to do, um, they're more than just jobs because on the other side of the counter, you don't know what that mum has just 
you know, walked through this morning or in the last 24 hours. A husband's walked out on a, or financially, you know, their house has been struck, you know, severely. And you just don't know what your hello might, you know, do or your warmth and friendliness in your smile, all those sort of things. They're things that are going to be ministering the love of Jesus. Now, they might not be able to articulate it like that. But so I just think of that, you know, um, passage in Acts chapter 3 when, you know, Peter and John were on their way to the temple and uh, and they help out the lame beg on the side of the road you know silver and gold I don't have but the love of Jesus this is what I do have and uh, we have great coffee we have awesome muffins we have great vanilla slices yes we do but you know what we have something more powerful than that we have the love of Christ coming through what we do here at Origin Coffee Bar so <clears throat> I know that many lives have been changed and um, are being changed. When we talk about the angle scale before, you know, it's starting the people's journey. They've experienced something different. They're not, you know, they yeah, call it warmth and friendliness and it's refreshing. But what they're actually describing is, you know what, it's the Holy Spirit upon our serve in their world and it's starting them on a journey towards knowing Christ. And there are people here today who have uh, part, become part of Victory Church, found their purpose, found home here because of the cafe, which is great. It's great. We, we've done many different uh, outreaches over the years, but none have been as successful as what we've been able to see through our cafe. And uh, quite a number of people from our community have come and experienced all the things that Mick has mentioned, but then they've gone to the place of coming to church, committing their life to Christ, and uh, I, th I think that's really, really exciting. So thanks, Mick and the team, for what you are doing and continue to do. And can I just have a little plug and say they always need more volunteers. Amen. Graham Madron. Alrighty. Most of you know that I'm pretty passionate about kids, so if I get passionate, I apologise in advance. No, I don't really. Um, Okay, KidGo, it is a program that we've been running for quite a few years now. We do it in these every school holidays every break and Christmas in the first week of the school holidays for three days. It's grown to a point where we had over a thousand kids in the last one and that's meant to be our quiet one for the year. Um, so that's a bit frightening but good, it's great, it's fantastic. Now KidGo is everywhere and a little example is I was at a place called Streaky Bay, I see Ben, ben and Donna down here, about eight hours that way, long way away. And I was in a, a restaurant and having dinner, and this kid walks up and goes, you are from KidGo! <laughs> so I sort of, I got an idea about how those celebrities feel. Um, <laughs> but it was great. It was fantastic. And, and the other thing about KidGo that really blows me is it's big. You come in, it's big. But you know what? We actually make it small. And that, what, we, what I mean by that is we actually challenge our leaders Every time that, you know, you need to speak to every single child that comes through that door. You need to make them feel special. So in a group of 450, 500 kids, they are special. They mean something. And, and an example being in the last kid go, Johnny Mangos was doing a, a message on God Thinks You're Awesome. And I had a leader who sat there and Johnny was talking about kids at school teasing you and calling you four eyes and calling you ugly. The leader overheard a little girl turn to her friend and say, they call me four eyes at school. And that leader felt God's presence on her, tapped her on the shoulder and said, you know what? Your eyes are beautiful. What did that mean to that kid from an unchurched family? What did that mean? Now, that, that child has just taken that and there's the seed. This place cares for me. And, and, and the final one is that the whole, um, with all that's going on, 450 kids, the amount of parents that walk into this place whose kids have special needs of whatever sort, whether it be behavioural, social, emotional, whatever. And they go, you know, I cannot leave my kid anywhere but here. What is that about? And, and the reason it is, these kids, okay, they don't do very well in big groups, so let's leave them in a group of 450 kids. So like, well, that makes sense. What is that about? You know what it is? It's the church covers that whole program in prayer. The church puts prayer over that. And without it, it wouldn't work. It would not work without the church praying for and supporting this ministry that we are having into the families. And many, a few years ago now, there was word over this church that whole families will come through the kids, and that's what's happening. Let's move to Skye. She's dealing with her kids at an even younger age. So want to tell us all about that? Yes. 
Um, myself and a great group of girls, we started this year a fabulous playgroup that runs fortnightly on Mondays just out there next to Origin in the Kids Auditorium. And let me tell you, it is a brilliant playgroup. Um, not only do we have what I think is a great program, um, where the little kids from naught to five love it. I know even now when I get in the car, Harry says to me, Mum, play group, play group. And I'm um, not today, Harry. But, um, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the highlight of his week. So we've got this great program. And um, interesting, we even have mums from other churches coming to our play group because of our program. Um, what, also I, what I also love, it is a great chance for us mums just to connect with each other. Um, we've got quite a lot of new Victory mums coming um, who haven't been coming to the church for very long and it's really fabulous seeing them connect in. And I don't know about you, but as mums, it's really important, I think, to have that friend who is going through potty training with you. <laughs> um, or just have a great coffee and um, not only interact with your child, but interact with each other and build friendships with each other. And um, I know we've got coming up um, next month a uh, dessert night where we're all just going to get the kids babysat and go out and just have mum time because we just really, I'm really passionate about us and grandparents just connecting. And, um, but what excites me the most about Playgroup is that we have had an influx of what we call community mums. And this is, I think, primarily because of the cafe. They come to the cafe, they see what's going on in there. They come in to play group and they love it. Um, we would, I would say we have approximately 50% of the women there or the grandparents there that aren't from church. They're just um, coming along and they say, Miss Sky, this is fantastic. We really, really love this playgroup. Or if a visitor comes in, they say, come, this is the best playgroup. You've got to come to this playgroup. So they've got this really great ownership of it which is very exciting and even just this week I caught up with one of those mums and um, had coffee with her here and she just began to open up to me about what's going on in her life she's got a bit of a complicated life and um, it was just really wonderful to be able to just begin to share some life skills with her but not only that just friendship and um, she's, she doesn't have um, any social supports at all. And what a privilege to be able to um, be a friend to this beautiful woman and her child. And she said to me, Sky, um, she's quite an anxious lady and she, um, her son um, doesn't really feel comfortable going anywhere. And he's only just turned two. And, but how amazed and how excited that he loves playgroup. He loves coming to playgroup. And um, so I think that's pretty brutal. And um, yeah. For real? Do they still say that? I don't. The 80s called and they want their saying back. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're hearing what I'm hearing. But when Jesus said they were helpless and harassed, they were like sheep without a shepherd. If you think about what a shepherd does for sheep. It's real simple care stuff. Yeah. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to get involved in any one of these ministries. But you do have to have a heart for people. Yeah. You do have to care. So the question is not how much do you know. The question is how much do you care. And if you care enough, you can get involved in any one of these areas or avenues. And I know they'd love to have you on board, which is awesome. So let's put our hands together for what they're doing at a community level, which is awesome. There are other ministries we've chosen to leave out um, for the sake of time, but I wanted to t uh, turn just to our, our kingdom focus um, because it's great that we do things for the church and it's great that we do things through the church and it's great that we do things through the church at a community level, um, but it's also great that we're part of the bigger picture and are involved at a kingdom level. And uh, to do that, we have kingdom alliances. And a lot of what we do at a kingdom level doesn't affect us nor bless us directly, but it blesses us and affects us at a bigger picture level. And so there's much that we're doing at a kingdom level that you may not even be aware of. And one is what we're doing uh, in um, partnership with Mercy Indonesia in a small village in the... Uh, island of Indonesia in Kalawasi. And so I'd love Jean just to share about that. That'd be great. Thank you. 
It's awesome to be involved in uh, the Kalawesi Children's Centre. Um, I was just thinking this morning, sitting uh, in, in the pulpit, sorry, in the congregation. Gee, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? My goodness. She wants the pulpit, I got it. <laughs> you know, that um, we're not just doing good when we give, but we're actually planting seed for the kingdom of God. You know, we're part of something that is an awesome work. And um, we sang also that, uh, you know, we're under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. And the children who are part of Kalawesi Children's Centre, uh, a tiny little village in the middle of a jungle in central Java, um, are under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. And the thing that they are finding is refuge. And as we are involved, and we are involved in various ways, we've uh, been able to purchase land, we've built three buildings, we're sponsoring uh, 27 children. Uh, who have been identified as at risk. We've been asked to take on board some orphans as well. So it's an amazing thing that is happening there. But the thing that probably the greatest highlight for me was when we did the Kalawesi Christmas tree, if you remember that, here we are in the Western world celebrating the season of giving. And people gave so generously and we're so grateful for that. But how that works out is the children in Kalawesi um, are now learning to play guitar. You've purchased, you know, musical instruments for them. There's a keyboard that is used in their church service. And um, there are goats now in the village. They had one trial goat that fortunately passed the test. And so they then bought another 20 goats. And so that is creating industry and self-sufficiency. So, you know, I think we've got to remind ourselves not to grow weary with doing good, to recognise that we're not, we aren't just doing good, but we are actually extending his kingdom to this little jungle village in central Java and making a huge difference in the lives of the children. I would encourage you, for those that aren't involved perhaps in the sponsorship or in the giving of other aspects, but please uphold that village and those children and those needy families in prayer. Pray that as they do come to the Kalawesi Children's Centre, that they are under the refuge of the wings of the Almighty and that eventually they come to that point of acknowledging him. So, big picture. Thank you. Can I just borrow that very quickly? Thanks for that, Jean. That was awesome. Why don't you just share on a kingdom perspective some of the alliances that we're working with? Yeah, I think, as Tony said, often you do things or you're involved in things that you don't see initial result or there's no benefit to you and one of the mandates of our rainbow family and the mandate of this house is we've always taught our kids that I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others and that is really a big part of our kingdom alliances and uh, we've got some friends all around the world that God has just knitted to us not only in friendship terms but in terms of church and I look around here and just see what God has done around here. And I'm, you would have heard our heart last week if you were here about our pastoral care and how we really just love people. And I not only love the people in this church, but I just love God's people and His church. And so when God has knitted partners with us and friends with us who lead churches, it's about how we can invest into their lives. And so even to the point of just this week, uh, many of you may know Matt McGore, he and his wife, Jill, were on staff here with us, went to plant a church in Canberra. We are working in relationship with them. And Matt just rang up this week. Something went down on a phone call with Tony on Tuesday. Within an hour, Tony's booked on the uh, plane. He spent the day and the, and the night with him Wednesday in Canberra. Just because bringing that kingdom perspective, him to come alongside and just help him with the wisdom that has helped build victory because it's not just for victory, it's for others. And just, you know what, the Kingdom Alliances is about uh, investing into one another. So it was about encouraging Matt, just helping him an outside perspective come in saying, here's how a way forward, here's what we can do to stand alongside as a mate, but also to stand alongside as a fellow leader. And even next week, Tony has the opportunity, he's going over to South Africa and many of you may know uh, Pete Howard Brown. So his church, he's going to spend some time with them. Pete's doing uh, well. He had a stroke uh, 
she, it's over 12 months ago now, and uh, he gets to spend some time with New Gen and leadership, but it's building on patterns. It's been going in year after year and just spending time training teams, helping equip them, um, just standing alongside leaders. There's nothing like leadership. And just to have another man and woman who know what it's like to be front row, just to come alongside and you're doing great. Like, I love what Sky is saying about the mums. Sometimes the best advice you can give to a new mum is, you, you're doing awesome. Don't worry about the technicalities of it. You're doing awesome. And that's what our kingdom alliances are, to come alongside. And we get to share the weekend after with um, Craig and Andy Clark, who they celebrate their 20th birthday uh, on September 6th. And just be able to, you know, we've done a journey, 20 years of friendship with these guys, knowing these guys, walking alongside. And not to mention just local churches, what you need to know. There's some great young local pastors who are ringing and saying, can I spend some time with you, Tony? And just wanting him to just, hey, what did you do in this situation? What did you do? And again, like I said, is it because he knows everything? He would say, yes. I would say he knows a lot. But it's, <laughs> but it's about, you know what? We've, we've seen what God's been able to do in and through you and we want to walk alongside you. And it's just, it has been our heart. You know what? <laughs> you being naughty. It's just been our heart to just love on these men and women who just said yes to God. Because, <laughs> stop it. I'm being good and I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I, I love our kingdom partners because they're just, they're wonderful men and women that God's placed in my life that if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd never have known them. But if there's something that I can do, we can do, as a local church can do, that just helps their journey. It's, it's, I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. I don't get any benefit other than the benefit of I gave. So every time I get involved in Heart for the House and I give, I might not be in directly response to this, but if I'm giving my finance and I'm giving my prayers and I'm giving my thoughts and my attention, I'm part of that. And um, that's what our Kingdom Alliances are for that, just to love to see the Kingdom of God and local, ch- just championing, I know that's a hill song, but I'm going to steal it. Just championing the local church and just say there's nothing like a local church. And any man or woman who puts his hand up to say, yes, Jesus, I'll answer the call. I want to get alongside and do whatever I can. And if I can help you in any way, then it's a blessing and a privilege. Great. Awesome. Can we uh, just keep that round of applause going for this team as they make their way off stage? Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks, Rod, Breno, Mick, Graham, Sky, Jean, and my wife, Kath, of course. Fantastic. Kath's right. I think uh, our kids' first words were mum, dad, and after that it was, I'm blessed to be a blessing to others. I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. We just made a mantra. I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And I really feel for my personal ministry that God is moving me more and more into Kingdom Alliance. Uh, just this last, if I, I look at the last couple of weeks, I've met with pastors from the Brethren Movement, from the Baptist Movement, from the AOG Movement, from Independent Movements. I, I, I'm spending a lot more of my time with other pastors um, so that we can see the Kingdom of God advance. It doesn't mean I love you any less. It doesn't mean I love this church any less. It just means that we all need to play our part so that no balls are dropped in this juggle that is life. But I know what God has called me to do and uh, I need to do what only I can do and let go of things that other people can do. So I believe as we honour God through the local church and through the community and through kingdom, We can go to heaven as happy men and women knowing that we fulfilled the plan and the purpose and the call of God upon our lives. Here's the thing that you need to know about everything you've heard. Not one of these ventures, nor outreaches, nor initiatives is government funded. Yet every one of them costs money to run. Yet none of them are government funded. Did I mention that? Which means the money comes from somewhere. Because when you go to certain places, they don't uh, respond much to, uh, well, I've prayed about it. They don't respond well to giving them buttons. They don't respond well to giving them chickens. No, these people want their money because of the society in which we live. And so with every vision, there is a price tag 
involved. Hence why we have our heart for the house. And as I've mentioned before, heart for the house is a once-off offering whereby we can finance over and above our regular giving to the ventures that we are doing um, at a church level, at a community level, and a kingdom level. And all three of those cost money. I'm not going to turn this into a, this is where all the money is going to go segment. I am having a meeting with some uh, people on a Tuesday night. And if you'd like to be part of that, you are more than welcome to come here at the church at 7.30, where we're going to be talking a little bit more about that and giving. But we would love as a church for every one of you to prayerfully consider where and how you can be involved at a financial level over and above your regular giving. We have our cards that are Heart for the House cards. If I can have one of those, that would be much appreciated. And uh, we want to get one of these in your hands. So if you have not um, received one of these cards, please, please, please either raise your hand now and we'll get one to you or make your way to the information desk straight after the service because we want you to prayerfully consider how much you could give per week over the next 12 months. We're believing for 385 giving units. A giving unit is an individual, a couple, or a family. Our family represents two units. That is Kath and my combined income with Jordan, uh, sorry, with Mitchell and BJ who do not earn any income. So that's one unit. That's a family unit. And then our daughter, our oldest daughter, who's 16, she has her own job. So she's an individual who has a unit. And she's already committed to pledge a certain amount per week that she can um, contribute. I believe every one of us, if we would just take some time and prayerfully consider what we can give, that would be much appreciated to us achieving our end goal of $300,000 over the next 12 months above and beyond our regular giving to finance what we do at a church level, a community level, and a kingdom level. As I've said before, I'm not here to twist your arm, but I am here to let you know what we are doing and to be loud and proud about what we are doing. And I'd love you to be with us in partnership, not just in volunteering of our time, but also in giving of our finance. It's interesting to me, as our musicians come, please, that would be great. It's interesting to me that when Isaac was offered on the altar by his father Abraham and he stood there over his son, his son that had been bound up by Abraham himself and he stood over him with a knife ready to plunge into his heart and offer his son as a sacrifice. The Lord stepped in and said, do not kill your son. And as Abraham looked over into the thicket, there was a ram and it was that place that God provided and it was known as Jehovah-Jireh. We often see Jehovah-Jireh as a name of God, and it is. But in the context of that scriptural moment, it refers to a place. The place where God provides is always off the back of two things, obedience and sacrifice. When we are willing to be obedient with what God says, and we are willing to pay the price, to what God says, we find God always provides. I have been a believer in giving financially to the house of God for many, many years. Not just 10%. We have aligned our life with the Word of God so that we can give our 10%, which belongs to God. We match our tithe with an offering, another 10%. This is what we've done for many, many years. And then we align ourselves in such a way for moments like Heart for the House where we can be over and above, just be generous and respond to what God speaks to us about. The reason we have been able to do that as a family is because we've aligned all of our spending in accordance with that lifestyle. Many people would say, I would love to be able to give, but I can't. And when you say to me, you'd love to give, but you can't, that just says to me one thing, that we're living outside of the provision that God has called us to live in. And so if you earn X amount of dollars, but you live beyond that, you're going to get in financial bondage. And we as a church exist to not just set people free, 
but keep them free. Not just set people free. There are many people who can say, man, I remember that day when I first gave my life to Jesus and the the spiritual freedom that came only to get into bondage again. The reason Christians get into bondage having been set free is because we don't follow the pattern of God's Word. We see Zacchaeus was a short man who climbed up a tree because he saw Jesus was coming. Jesus said, come down and invite me to your house. We'll have some dinner. And Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus. That's where it starts, welcoming him. But two things happened for Zacchaeus that day. Not only did he get set free from his sin, his lying, cheating ways. He was a tax collector and tax collectors were notorious for taking money off the top for themselves and exploiting the Jewish people. And so they were the scum of the earth. And so he was a liar and a thief and a cheater. And in inviting Jesus in, he received forgiveness for his sin. But something else took place that day. Not only did he receive freedom from his sin, but he received freedom from his idol. What was his idol? His attachment to wealth, his attachment to possessions, his attachment to money. And he said, here on this day, I'm gonna give back four times the amount of anyone I've robbed. I believe there's a lot of Christians who live free from the point of salvation. But they never get free from the idol of materialism because there's only one way to get rid of that and that's through giving. And so again, I love speaking about giving because when you give, it brings a freedom. When you give according to the spiritual ways, the the, uh, stewardship according to God's ways, it brings about a freedom. And as a church, we're all about freedom, whether it's financial freedom, emotional freedom, relational freedom, whatever level it is, we wanna see you not just set free, but stay free. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.